Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Stonework, a Bible podcast from Three Chop Church in Richmond, Virginia. I'm your host, Reverend Christopher Tweel, pastor and head of staff here at the church. This week, in the wake of the COVID-19 outbreak, we are worshiping virtually, and we're glad that you could come and join us for this worship moment. A huge thank you goes out to all the people who pulled extra hours this weekend to make it happen, especially Heather, our Director of Communications, and Joan, our Director of Music. Let's worship God together on this day. Thanks to Joan, we have a few opportunities to sing along with our hymns this week. If you'd like the words for these hymns, just follow the links that we've placed in the description of this podcast. As we begin our reading for the day, let's start out with a word of prayer. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is that you say to us this day. Amen. Our reading today comes from Isaiah 56, verses 3 through 8. And I'll be reading from the Contemporary English Version. Foreigners who worship me must not say, The Lord won't let us be part of his people. Men who are eunuchs must no longer say, We are dried up trees. To them, I, the Lord, say, Respect the Sabbath, 
Obey me completely and keep our agreement. Then I will set up monuments in my temple with your names written on them. These will be much better than having children because these monuments will stand there forever. Foreigners will follow me and they will love me and worship in my name. They will respect the Sabbath and keep our agreement. I will bring them to my holy mountain where they will celebrate in my house of worship. Their sacrifices and offerings will always be welcome on my altar. Then my house will be known as a house of worship for all nations. And I, the Lord, promise to bring together my people who were taken away and let them join the others. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The ancient people of Israel and the people of our modern era shared a lot of similarities. Perhaps most pertinent to us on this particular day is the desire to stay clean. (laughs) You can look at scores of verses in Deuteronomy and Leviticus that outline these practices. Of course, for an ancient God follower, it was a matter of faith. It was their way of having access to God, a way of participating in the instructions that they received from God in order to stay a people set apart that would continue to be an example to the whole world. Now, even from the very beginning, God says this, that the purpose of these people being saved from slavery is to communicate who God is to the entire world the father of the Hebrew nation, Abraham, who came from Ur, if you remember, was promised by God that he and his descendants would be blessed to be a blessing to all the kingdoms of the earth. The intent of this holy people is to be set apart to bear witness to who God is and to bless the people of the world. Well, that's no small task. But there was a covenant formed and guidelines that followed, as we know. Many of those guidelines that came afterwards, after the original ten, had a lot to do with staying clean. For the ancient Jewish person, cleansing with water for physical as well as spiritual purity was commanded throughout the Old Testament. Moses bathed Aaron and his sons before their ordination as priests from Leviticus. Clothing contaminated by mold or mildew had to be washed. Anyone who was diseased or an unclean person had to be quarantined outside the camp until the infection ceased. When the disease was gone, the person had to wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, and then bathe again with water. Any kind of bodily discharge meant uncleanliness, and that person, as well as the people around that person, had to bathe in fresh running water. The seemingly tedious lists in Leviticus of clean and unclean that require water cleansing is meant to be a metaphor for the inward spiritual purity of a person. This idea of impure and pure also included those who were imperfect in their flesh, missing an arm or a leg or other parts. It also 
meant people from foreign nations who were never allowed to be part of the people of God. Those were the rules. Well, as time went on for the people of Israel, an argument is made that the practices of cleanliness and the rules of purity had actually worked to separate the people from the intention of the law. And this argument came long before Jesus ever came on the scene. We can see it in the author of the latter part of Isaiah, who at first reminds us what being unclean is like. In chapter 59, it says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden God's face from you. Your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongues mutter wicked things. And no one calls for justice. No one pleads with integrity. There's an interesting piece here, I think. There is a connection with being stained and impure and lying and not calling for justice. Those are the things that make you stained and impure. Not being able to call for justice. Well, this portion of Isaiah comes at at the end of the book. It takes place after the exile and in a space where the book is talking about the triumph of the servants of God over all of those who remain impure and sullied. But again, sullied, we can read here, is the lack of a desire for justice. The people who are in God's favor, the servants in these last few chapters, have gone on to live in the new Jerusalem, which will be a place of peace, a place of hope, a place without fear, and a place where all are welcome if they can do one thing, keep the Sabbath. In our verses today from Isaiah, we read that Admission into the New Jerusalem comes for those who can keep the Sabbath. In particular, there are two groups listed who were thought to be some of the most impure people. There's the eunuch whose body is marred and has made that person permanently unstable according to Scripture. Unstable and unsuitable for entry into God's kingdom. Instead, they are welcomed in. Also, the foreigner, who before this point had been refused entry to the tribe of Israel by marriage and is now gathered in as a son and a daughter of God. The only thing they have to do is keep the Sabbath. This is An incredibly interesting thing because it could have listed any of the other Ten Commandments. It could have said that you can come in as long as you don't kill people. That would have made sense. It could have said you can come in as long as you don't steal from anyone. If you're going to have a new kingdom or a new Jerusalem, maybe that's the rule that makes the most sense. 
but instead, it's the Sabbath. And it makes sense if we can see that the Sabbath is the answer to the impurity that Isaiah talks about. Sabbath is the opposite, the flip side of the ones who cannot call out for justice. The Sabbath practice is the way in which the broken and impure come into the kingdom. The Sabbath practice is that calling out for justice and mercy with truth and integrity. I had a friend recently, a colleague in ministry, who was thinking and and writing out loud that in this time of pandemic, when viral outbreak is threatening our normal way of life, as we are instructed to stay at home, as schools are closing all over the country, that maybe it might seem like the perfect time for a Sabbath practice. But, as another friend of ours pointed out to us, there are still those who cannot take a break. There are people who cannot find Sabbath. There are these people who must work to maintain their homes, to maintain food for their children, to maintain medical care for their parents. These are the people of our town, maybe people of our own families who cannot stop working because of the very real threat of not having enough to cover basic human needs. In this viral outbreak, how can they stop? For us to practice Sabbath, then, for us to welcome the broken, for us to follow Christ's work in understanding the real meaning of Sabbath, then we have to become workers for each other. The Sabbath is not only a solitary practice, it is a communal one, something that is not lost, I think, on our church family. Because this week I've heard so many positive words seeking to surround our community. People that have been from the church, people from our own leadership who have said over and over again that we need to think about the folks who are most at risk in this situation. People that are working in hospitals and other services who cannot take a break and people who depend on city services that might be threatened in a real way, if things get worse. We are already aware, praying over them, and even now seeking the ways in which we can continue to help them. Within the first few hours, before schools were even closed and before our session met to suspend worship, I was getting calls from people asking how they could help older members who might be at risk or or wary of going out to get the things they need. I was having a conversation with our food pantry leadership who had already decided that they would stay open so that clients could get food that they needed to survive and stay healthy. In the renewed kingdom of Isaiah, everyone is invited in. All who can carry the Sabbath covenant. It is a family of all nations where renewed justice and hope reign eternal. The servant of God, the people that live in the city, 
are people of the Sabbath. They are a people of justice and mercy and compassion. They're not people of competition or production or acquisition. And so we should seek to emulate them. Now, we can do some of those things. We can compete or produce or acquire, but we cannot be people of those things. In the same way, we can be people who wash their hands. <laughs> we can be people who stay home to ensure that others stay healthy. We can be people who are informed by the news we can be people who tap elbows and toes instead of giving hugs and handshakes. As long as we never forget that we are not people of those things. We are people of compassion who continue to feed those who have need because their kids aren't getting two meals at school. We are people of justice who wonder and pray and act on behalf of the people who are more worn out and depleted in this time, or, or were people who find where the least of these are possibly being overlooked. We are people of mercy who call and connect and check in on each other and others in our neighborhoods, even as we are tempted to feel more isolated in this time. We are people of the Sabbath. In this time of sickness and anxiety, especially in this time, we are called to be God's servants. The people of the new city in Isaiah, blessed by the grace of our Lord, so that we can be a blessing to the entire world. Let's pray together. Wonderful and powerful God, we admit that this is a time of anxiety for us. For many of us, it is a time where there is a real threat to not only the way we live our lives and the patterns that we're used to, but also our health or the health of people that we love and care about. As we continue in the next few days, remind us that you are the God of calming the storm, that you are the God who creates miracles in the midst of need that you are the God of healing and that you are the God who hears the cry of your people. Hear us now, Lord, as we reveal to you our deep worry, our deep concern, our deep anxiousness and all of the little things that we have done, the ways in which we've been overly nervous, 
around certain folks, the ways in which we've let our anxiety control our compassion. We know that we have forgiveness in you, God. We know that your son, Jesus Christ, has died to save us from that which we deserve. And so as people who are renewed by the grace of your son, Jesus Christ, remind us of who we truly are. Encourage us to be those Sabbath people, aware of not only our own need to rest, but also the need of others. Mindful of not only our own need to to stay clean, (laughs) to be pure and to be holy, but also to remember that this work is an international kind of work that brings in the broken, that brings in the hurting, that brings in the people that we thought were foreign to us and makes them part of our family. Remind us of all these things, God, as we go forward this week as your servants. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining with us today in this new worship experience. This week, the church will be posting some new ways that we can continue to do the work of the church, the work of Sabbath people over the next few weeks. Don't hesitate to reach out to the church office for a helping hand if you need it. And if you are not at risk for infection, then give the church office a call and let us know that you're willing to help those who need it during this time. So go, as Sabbath people, be who you are, people of justice and mercy and compassion, the people of the new Jerusalem, to love and serve the Lord. Amen.